up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. The f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining. Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Rick Pappas on the board. S&P futures down 850. Nasdaq futures down 3075. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Things were up every day. Uh, which is fine, you know, I mean, it's a great thing. <coughs> Clients are making money, everybody's happy. Just kind of wondering, do we have Lou, Mr. Lou? Good morning. How are you, buddy? Um, okay, no, awake. Well, that's a good so, thing. It's still dark here. I assume it's still dark there, too. Uh, yeah, but it's getting uh, a little earlier, you know. Um, we, uh, when you go home now at, at 5, it's light. You know, that's what Yeah, that's when nice. do we, uh... We switch back in March, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah I, I think we ought to we ought to change the time zone or time zone the uh, time changes uh, from daylights to standard and back again. We ought to make those coterminous with some other kind of uh, you know horrific event like like you know the start of Lent. Or Easter, or you except, know, except that's different. Different every year, you know, whatever. Yeah, see. Well, it feels like it's different every year now. <laughs> well, yeah, it actually, sort that'd of does it. That'll be some. That'll be some easy event, like you know. Okay, you're going to spring forward. You're going to lose an hour of sleep, but it's going to be on Easter, so you're going to get candy. You know, we'll, we'll make it a little bit, a little bit easier. Um, or uh, we're gonna we're gonna sing or uh, move the clock back an hour. You get the extra hour of sleep. But it'll be the on the day after Halloween, so you can you know stay up a little bit later and you know party. Right, not a bad idea. So anyway, I just uh, well, I can't believe the people who if the National Bureau of Standards is listening, there there's a suggestion. Well, there's also people who, uh, no, I you know, I don't know. I'm just just one person, but when you change the time, it's it's a little bit of a of a, a problem in the. In the spring, right? You just spring forward for, well, for like a day or two. That supposedly, that supposedly is the. Isn't that the time change that causes the most deaths? You have well, more people dying of heart attacks and and other stress related uh, type conditions when you I, use uh, that hour. Of sleep. I can't. I can't even. I've had like a couple of days where you you like um, should be up a little later or something, but I. The idea that you know it causes this massive calamity—I I don't get it. But anyway, I guess well, it's, it's, it's a, there's a correlation. Maybe not a causation, but a uh, but a, a correlation. 
and uh, you know, I, I, I just, I just note that for uh, because I, I never keep track of what day it is, and I, you know, with automated calendars now, at least, uh, at least it pops up, and you can, you can find it a couple of months in advance. I, I'm, I'm never able now to. You're right. It does seem to shift around every year. It used to be, was it the last October? But I mean, where where are we? We're we're February, so we're six seven weeks away from the solstice. So we're almost the same as we were on uh, November first. So you know, getting get a little light. Yep, yep. It's getting uh, it's getting better. I used to because I tend to go into work a little bit later now. I used to really notice it when I was in Chicago because I I was getting up at you know oh dark thirty. To get to the gym and then try to catch a train. At, the train was at six fifty. Yeah, um, where uh, where I was. And so, where did you find a gym? It was up at four in the morning. Oh, uh, lifetime lifetime right. fitness would, would be open. Um, anyway, you 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 know, as you, if you if you're doing that kind of early morning wake up stuff, you you do tend to notice when the dawn begins to break. Oh yeah, <laughs> because. It's a little bit easier. You're right. Well, I like, I like driving in in the summertime in the morning for the show when it's light. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot nicer. It's 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 broad. It's um, broad daylight. Um, I wanted to, to lead with our sports, my sports input, um, which also hits employment law directly. What about the Bears um, raising their ticket prices eight percent? Care about the Bears and their miserable ticket prices? You know, who's, are they still? They're still playing in that barn, right? They haven't figured out where they're going to put a new stadium. First of all, it's for if you're in the place and you have tickets, it is not a barn. Why would it be a barn? I mean, the sight lines are fine, the seats are fine. I mean, what about the Bears and their? I don't either. Prices. I don't care about the new stadium either. And I just hope they don't get a dime from me. They're still playing in that barn, right? Well, they haven't figured out where they're going to put a new stadium. First of all, it's for if you're in the place and you have tickets, it is not a barn. Why would it be a barn? I mean, it's. Why am I hearing myself again? Once was bad enough. Yeah, that's right. I've I've been in I've been in that stadium, and I although I take it back, I went I went to a concert, and, and we're gonna we're gonna drop this because I want to talk about yeah. this Rooney Rule challenge. I went to a concert last summer in Arrowhead. That place is a barn, I, and that I will take back. I will take back that assessment of of uh, Soldier Field. It's been renovated. Arrowhead has not been renovated as far as I can tell. Arrowhead is where, where, where's that? That's Kansas City. Oh. And, and it it it's just it's an old old tired stadium. Anyway, don't if you, and, and a word of advice to those of you in the Midwest who might be going there for a summer concert. Don't don't go sit in that place when it's a hundred and what was it when we got there a hundred and six with a heat in, with a heat index of one hundred and fifteen. That's not a good stadium to be in because there is no air conditioning anywhere in that facility. There remember, are no enclosed restaurants. There are no, you know, it's just. Well, you remember your buddy, uh, your buddy, uh, uh, that Charlie Finley, uh, who was the coach of the uh, Mets, uh, Casey Stengel, when uh, the first All Star game was in the new, the then new St. Louis Stadium, which has now been torn down, you want the artificial turf and all that stuff. Is common. What do you think of the new park? He goes. It holds the heat well. Yeah. Well, this this place this place did. Okay. Let's talk. Let's talk about the the uh, Rooney Rule and what's happening right now. And I w- I've always wondered if this was going to happen eventually. Um, you know, the sports leagues, especially the NFL, tend to 
sort of hold themselves aloof and, and away from or above the fray when it comes to sort of traditional employment law and so they get caught um, by by what looks to you know people who practice there as kind of obvious you know mistakes but but nevertheless they get they get made and and so I was I've always wondered about how the Rooney rule was going to survive a, <clears throat> a title 7 challenge and, and now we're going to get to find out um, all right, all right. You know, start from the beginning. What's the Rooney Rule? What's a Title VII challenge? Okay, Rooney. The Rooney Rule is a requirement within the National Football League. It's named after Art Rooney, the former or the now deceased owner of the Steelers. And what it was designed to do was to. Um, it's basically it was an affirmative action move on the part of the NFL. It requires in, in hiring coaches and uh, I think coordinators, head coaches and I think coordinators, you have to interview a minority candidate in the process before you make a choice. And, and there, are, there are some exceptions. For example, if, if somebody's under a written contract when they join the, join the club that guarantees they're going to be promoted in the event of a coaching vacancy, then, then the Rooney Rule doesn't apply. But um, otherwise, if, if a vacancy comes open, you have to you have to sit down. And, and in the words of one of my former clients, I was when I was doing a lot more sports law work, you have to cast about and find a, a black or Hispanic guy, and and because those are the only two to which it applies. I don't think it applies for Asian coaches. Um, you have to find a black or Hispanic guy somewhere, drag him in, sit him down, talk to him for 15 minutes, and then that, that checks the box. You need your token interview. You need a token interview. You need to find a token a token minority guy to, to bring in. Um, it. I thought it was a disaster. I thought it was a stupid rule <clears throat> um, for a couple of reasons. Mainly the fact that these are such specialized jobs and there are so few of them that requiring this kind of a process simply creates what you just described, which is the sham interview process where they just find some guy and they bring him in. And I mean, it's insulting and it's degrading. Everybody knows that the the club and the the circumstance is not interested in um, you or, or your talents or anything else. They're doing this because you happen to be a minority guy. The theory, I think, was that if we force clubs to look at these guys as if as if an organization worth eight or nine billion dollars doesn't have a pretty good idea who it wants from the beginning, but if we force clubs to look at these guys, there's the off chance that during the interview process, somebody on the other side of the table is going to say, oh, this guy's pretty good. Why don't we hire him? What about the fact, it might, again, this is just me lobbing one in, that the people you pick to be your tokens probably are people that maybe are somewhat deserving a little bit down the line or even then, and maybe you put their name out there and focus and it builds their status a tad. Maybe. I, it's, it's a long well, shot. It, it, I, mean, I mean, that would be correct if, in fact, you were bringing people in based on merit. But you're not. They weren't. Ah. They were bringing people in like Kamala Harris. They were bringing people in based on skin color. 
and now the 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 uh, the rule has been expanded, basically requiring. Um, in, they did this in 2022. Uh, they require uh, to employ a female or member of an ethnic or racial minority to serve as an offensive assistant beginning in 2023. So you have to hire a woman or an ethnic or racial minority member as an offensive assistant. Again, I, I understand the idea. The idea is we're going to force the pipeline into the pipeline people based on gender or skin color. And, and, and with the idea that if we give them this exposure and, and give them, let them see how things work up close, this will, this will. Now in Chicago, um, in Chicago, would that mean the mayor would have to at least interview a white person, a white male? Yes, that's exactly what it means. If, if in fact it was put, in, put into place. So the, the, the I mean, the, the, the second rule, you have to hire somebody who's female or a minority is is blatantly illegal under and, and when I say Title Seven, I'm talking about Title Seven of the nineteen sixty four Civil Rights Act, the granddaddy of um, anti discrimination legislation, the, the the rule, the law that sort of sets the pattern and the uh, process for anti discrimination law at, at almost every level. Um and, and, and so Title VII says you can't, you can't make, and the courts have refined this in a variety of ways, but, but the bottom line is you can't make race or gender or religion or color or... Well, you, uh, you, have, you have obviously moved out of Chicago. I'm, I'm just saying this is, this is why when, when this intersectionality and DEI stuff started rolling out in 2017, 2018... I started, I started, I mean, affirmative action has always been problematic for me because it clearly, it seems to clearly violate the law, but the Supreme Court has allowed certain, a limited consideration of these protected factors uh, as long as they were not determinative. In other words, you're, this is, this is, we're hiring this person because she's female or we're hiring this person because she's Catholic. And, and that's been allowed and everybody's kind of kind of said okay fine we'll, we'll we'll let it go but intersectionality and dei make these so-called they're called protected factors the 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 motivating factor and the the factor of choice and and i mean it's gotten to the point Why, now uh, that you, you the president you have the president of the united states putting Supreme Court justices in based on these factors and, against, and, and making his vice president selection this way. Well, and you have, we, have, we have all... Why, um, I guess this is a, sort of a general question. Last night I heard a couple of interesting stories, Lou. I was hanging with about three, four retired judges and a couple of attorneys. Anyway, my, my point is, oh, my, the my, Rooney my, rule... All right, but Rooney let me ask you, let me ask you is, a more general gonna, question. It's going to take a hit. Let me ask you a more general question. Drive around. There isn't anybody of any age right now, other than old people like us, that actually think you should do something, that the law means something, that people got together, elected a peop- some people that were somewhat competent, and they made laws for people to live by. There's, there's a reason why there's a 50 mile an hour speed limit. There's a re- nobody, th- nobody thinks like that anymore. Why, why would anybody give a crap about, if they want to throw minority people everywhere and think that there's some sort of injustice here, they want to make the next 50 people... They don't think they're binding to any sort of rule whatsoever. 
the people who who uh, are putting together this, we'll probably talk about it in a second. If are putting together this uh, ESPN and all these people on this sports thing, look, in my day, the, the chairman of the CBOE would no more call the chairman of the the Amex and like talk business and even put himself out like that in, in an antitrust world. You you can't just call. These guys, they got no problem. What do they do? Go out, go out to go out to lunch and decide to split up the sports world for the next twenty years? I mean, well, this they, is they this don't. Is there, there isn't anybody who pays any attention to any rule. Don't, don't, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard, hard problem believing it, but you should see it more than me. <laughs> I, do, I do see it. I do see it more than you. And and again, th- there are there are a variety of interesting sidelines to this, but but one of the themes is that. When you have a circumstance that we are facing, where you've got lots of different statutes sitting out there, and and you have prosecutorial discretion by by prosecutors or by the plaintiffs' bar, for example, um, you you essentially open the door to what's called lawfare. You you allow you, you formalize the the power structure. Uh, against or, or align the elements of the power structure against certain ideas or certain certain people. Well, I, and and I, where I do people? Give you, I'll give you another yeah. example. And this is this is these are the kinds of things that cause people to become conspiracy theorists, like me. If if you you are in many ways, if you were looking for a plaintiff's lawyer in Washington D.C., New York, Denver. San Francisco, L.A., Dallas, to file a lawsuit challenging a COVID vaccine program, it was almost impossible to do so. The only places that that would challenge COVID vaccination programs were were conservative, so-called conservative law firms that specialized in this kind of boutique stuff. But, but the plaintiff's bar, which usually is out there rubbing for money in, in, in the most ridiculous ways, you know, hot coffee, you spill hot coffee on yourself or, or you know, you, you stick your finger in a light socket and get shocked and, you know, sue a PG, sue a General Electric. Um, they, they refused. Well, I, the, the I, Civil I Liberties Union totally, in my opinion, no, totally, saying, yeah, but they totally it, disappeared during the Obama administration. That's exactly right. And, and so, if you were, if you if you were looking for finding, you know, an, a, an attorney to represent you, and, and that's what's so interesting about this Rooney Rule thing, is is that you've got a law firm that's willing to sit up on its hind legs and say, "We're going after the NFL, which is, you know, the woke capital of the sports world. We're going after the NFL on on this issue because they are expressly." Requiring their um, their clubs to discriminate okay, but you, on the you basis may, of race and gender. I, <laughs> you know, as, as a business owner, if you want to be a bleep, I've got six people on my offensive staff. Okay, now now I got seven. I'm raising the ticket prices, eight, and we're never going to listen to her. What's the difference? I mean, you, you, I mean, if you want to be an ass, I mean, that's basically what you do, right? Well, let, let's let's you know, great. You're going to say we're going to we don't care if they are the bears. You don't. Well, you they don't just care. they just hired a, a young lady here in the city of Chicago. She's Hispanic, and they the just bears hired. Did? Her, pardon me, a lady. No, the uh, mayor. 
and oh, she's in charge okay. of uh, some kind of pollution group that zeroes in on how pollution affects basically only blacks and Hispanics. And I'm going, I could have sworn I breathed the own air, the same air, don't I? I, I don't. I don't. Oh, hey, I, I did find one for you. As everybody was all over the, uh, there's a different groups I hang with. One of my friends uh, was a defense attorney, a uh, criminal attorney here in Chicago. Uh, just in a not guilty um, decision in a murder case, uh, and everybody was all over this. Uh, you know, no, there's no bail. Guess how long the guy was in jail? Well. Without and he's now he's not not guilty and I said is he is he really innocent he goes yeah he is six years in jail that's kind of a long time huh before he got to trial yeah yeah it was, it was so so let me let me follow up on on another issue so so Rooney Rule is is under attack and and justifiably so and it will it it's it, it's another marker of in terms of employment law, it's another marker of the misapplication of the, this, these principles and the idea that you know diversity somehow, if you scream diversity loud enough, it somehow exempts you from the law, and we are finally moving in a direction where it doesn't. Let me raise another issue for you, and this goes to something you and I have talked about several times. The, the uh, parent in uh, Michigan, the, the mother that was just convicted of manslaughter, by humble uh, homicide, manslaughter, by virtue of the fact that her child took a gun, 15-year-old son took a gun to school and killed four people. And and she's been convicted of man negligent manslaughter because of negligent supervision of the kid and ignoring ignoring some fairly clear signs that the kid had a had a problem. Okay. Yeah. All right. I heard all about it. Yes. Well, not all okay. about it, but it turns somebody. All right. So the question I have now is, when do the Chicago police start rounding up and arresting the parents of the shooters, the, the 13, 12, 13, 14-year-old shooters that are that are blowing people away on the streets of Chicago? You're assuming you can find the parents. Uh, oh, I think you can find the parents. They'll... they'll uh. If Good they, luck with that. If they wanted, if they wanted to, if they wanted to, they could, they could arrest them, or the grandparents, or whatever adult is supervising well, it. All right. Oh, again, how, again I'm going to. Right, again, I'm going to ask, ask the, the basic question. I always try to do to you because, because uh, you do all the answers. Um, when, I was, when, I was in, when I was, when I was in, high school, when I was in high school, Catholic high school, I remember brother, uh, what the hell was his first name? It was his last name was Copper. Brother Copper said something one day. He said. Anytime you make a law, it implies enforcement of some kind, or else you shouldn't make the law. That's correct. Um, all right, so I did my—I've never got my fingerprints done or, or got my card, but I, I passed and spent two days doing the concealed carry class. And the first thing that came to my mind was all I did was talk about gun safety and how you're supposed to, if you have kids at home or you have people coming over, if you're, if you're even if your kids. Are, are trustworthy enough to not go anywhere where the guns are. You can't assume that their friends are, so there needs to be a locked thing and combination safe or a key or whatever. The thing that keeps going through my mind is, you know, these are the laws for essentially law and common sense for taking care of guns. Now, of course, me being the knucklehead that I am, I'm sitting there going, what if, what if you don't? I mean, there's, there's no 
are you actually going to be arrested? I mean, these are laws that are being passed more like, you know, to, for the benefit of the legislatures. I mean, does anybody ever... I mean, you, you would think that if some people brought guns home, didn't put them where they were supposed to put them, the kid went out and shot somebody, there would be some culpability. I mean, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure it's involuntary manslaughter, but a slap upside that something. Oh, they, they, I mean, I mean, there are lawsuits. There are. I'm, I'm, yeah, um, but this is where you, you lose me. When you, my, go from, point, when you go from, you go from, it's either criminal or it's is, not. A law should be well, criminal, well, right? Well, I, I mean, but, but here, here is, here is an expansion of the law that is being widely touted by a number of different organizations, many gun control organizations. And my response to that is okay, great. This is the theory that you want enforced. Then I want you to wait. Let every time you pick up some kid, you know, fifteen. Let's let's make it fifteen years or younger. Every time you pick up some kid who's a shooter, who's got a gun in his possession, I want you to go arrest the parents. I'm going to say, in Chicago right now, that gun is the property of the 18-year-old that's with him in the gang, who's not carrying it because. The difference in laws between 18 and 15 are so dramatic in Chicago. Oh, oh, oh I know. I know. And so, so it's probably so, not the parent's gun. Well, in that in that case, fine. But but let's let's go after the parents because you, we're, you, you should be saying to the parents, wait a minute, you know your kid's running with gangbangers. And, and the parents say, I can't control them. I, and and I you say, okay, well, that's that's too bad. Well, I think if, if the kid... I don't know how to split hairs on this one a little bit. If 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 you are some guy who has guns, loves guns, right, likes so it, let, so let's let's step away from how you would enforce it, and let's step let's step to the would you are cities like Chicago going to enforce something like that? I can't enforce anything. Interesting thought. I can't enforce anything. But I mean, if. if yeah, we got to dash off the break here, but I guess Lou, there's a, if 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 you know your kid's running a gang, there's no father around, there's no grandfather around, mother can't control the kid, whether he brings the thing home or doesn't. That to me is a whole separate issue than somebody sloppy enough to know their kid is a total screw up and has a gun. And says, by the way, here's where it is, and not lock it up or anything. I mean, it, to me, that's inattention at best. I mean, whether it's a, I mean, it, it, I would never do that. Neither would you. But now, is it a law? Should you go to jail for it? Well, you know. I, that's above my pay grade. I, you know, it, it, it's stupidity on top for, for for one, right? It it is, and and I mean, and it's it's criminal. I mean, the yeah. point the point is, you can't. I mean, I mean, we gotta, people are asking. Well, hold that after break. By the way, I was surprised you didn't right. lead today with this uh, Dartmouth basketball labor union thing. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm writing an article on that, and, <laughs> and that's that's a. I mean, you've already heard me. I I. I roasted the National Labor Relations Board in 2015 when they they tried to allow Northwestern's football team to unionize. SP Futures down 7, SP Futures down 29. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Slash and Jackson. I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. Uh, S&P futures down nine now. Nasdaq futures down 33. We just dipped a couple of points, but uh, it's kind of pales compared to how much we were up yesterday. Uh, over Europe, we have the head uh, um, of a slew of earnings. Uh, DAX up 54 points, 0.3 percent. FTSE down 3.4 percent, and 0.04 percent. Call that flat. CAC around up 44.6. So bullish over there, except for the FTSE. Uh, Merck, the guys that have the huge container shipping lines, they're down 17 percent. I'm sure a lot of that has to do probably with the stuff going on in the Red Sea. Um, I don't know how much, but we'll maybe talk about that tomorrow. Nikkei up 7.43 is the the Bank of Japan says they are not going to tighten. They're going to keep loosening the, the money. So the more they do that, but just like here, this is fun. That's 2%. Hang Seng down 203, back under 16,000. That's 1.3%. So much for the Chinese kicking the market up. It lasted about two days. Uh, on the mainland, though, Shanghai is up another 36, 1.2%. So they're 28.65. They're up quite a bit since they started this. They were under 2,800. Still nowhere near 3,000. We'll see if they can keep going. Yesterday, big rally, Dow up 156, S&P up 40, NASDAQ up 147. Uh, bonds, we have them up 4 basis points, 4.14. The Bund up 4 basis points, 2.34. Uh, so interest rates are creeping back up here again today. Japan unchanged at 0.7. We have oil, up 80 cents, high end of the range now, maybe we're going to break out. 74.66, Brent up 87 cents, 80.08. Natural gas up 2 cents, 198, so under 2 bucks. Uh, so much for the El Nino in the mild winter, eh? Uh, I guess it's causing natural gas prices to stay down. Arbob up three cents, two twenty-nine. We've got gold down ten bucks, two thousand forty-one. As it just keeps back and forth between like two thousand thirty, two thousand fifty. Silver up three cents, twenty-two thirty-nine. Copper unchanged. We've got Bitcoin up five thirty, 
five back up 44,651 so it's getting near its recent high another thousand or two and we have the uh, US dollar eh, it's only down it, euros at 107.5 and the uh, British pounds at 1.26 so not much happening there we have for us, Trevi Weather Sports. Morning, everyone. 638 here in Chicago. Um, interesting day in that both Chicago and Phoenix have about the same weather today. Right now we're upper 40s in both places. Uh, we'll land in probably mid-50s in both places, both with showers and possibly thunder later. Uh, grab your umbrellas. Otherwise, traffic, Montrose, uh, I-290, or Montrose to I-290 on the Kennedy is 8 minutes, Eden's. Let's see. It's changing. Let's come back to that, actually. NHL, Wild 2, Hawks 1. And in men's hoops, Notre Dame got beat by Duke. That was 53-71. to 71. Uh, Wisconsin lost to... I think he only scored 53 points. Jesus. Yeah, they've been taking lessons from DePaul. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin, number 11, Wisconsin lost at Michigan. So Michigan gets a much-needed win there. That was 68-72. And Nebraska loses at Northwestern. That was 68-80. to 80. Checking back in on traffic. Let's see if we can do this again here. It's, it's refreshing. 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 Yeah, so we got about 11 minutes from Montrose on in. We've got 24 minutes from Lake Cook to the uh, interchange on the Edens. The Ike, 21 minutes from Wolf. And the Ryan is 20 minutes from from 95th to 290 and the um, um, the Stevenson is 24 minutes in from 294 to the Ryan that's all I got chief so Lou uh, driving home last night you'll never guess what I saw I, I, I can't in Chicago I can't guess what you saw the police actually pulled somebody over for like a traffic thing okay on the interstate no, on like a city street where people go through stop signs. The latest is now you you blow through the left-hand turn lane and time it so you get ahead of all the cars stopped for the red light. So you got to time it just right. Um, I had somebody last week pass me on a railroad crossing. How do, you, how do you avoid being T-boned by the guy on the cross street who's doing the same thing? Like I said, timing is everything. Timing is everything. You know that goes for that goes for football. It goes for sex. It goes for everything, and it goes for driving too. Timing is everything. I mean, I, it, that sounds, and and I generally consider Denver drivers to be pretty bad, but but that sounds that sounds crazy. Uh, going to pick in, up in, Andrew in, the other morning. I'm I'm on Sheffield. Guy wasn't happy with me, um, so he he passed me in the intersection of Webster where there's a light there. That's a new law. <laughs> So here's a question. Whenever I see guys driving like this, I look and invariably the license plate is either missing or it's, you know, covered with some kind of plastic film that makes it almost impossible to read. Usually it's just the license plate's missing, which means the car has either been stolen or it's being used illegally and whatever. Is that is that the case when you look at these uh, guys? No, some of these people now are even... We're not talking about guys from the hood. We're talking about, you know, white people in, in nice cars just aggravated. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not making any racial issues whatsoever. Yeah. I'm just looking at the, the car without the license plate on. Uh, you see some of that. They mostly have temporary plates that are there forever. You don't see usually a blank. There's a temporary plate somebody will steal from someplace. You know, it's well, when I, I say this I, when I, we when we were Utes. This is a real quick story. 
we went and bought a boat up on uh, north side right so we put the hitch on my old 65 f80 or uh, dynamic 88 so we're pulling the boat back from the north side and uh i mean i don't know if you knew but there wasn't there, in those days there was no title to a boat but you had a, you had a license on the trailer right so we got the bill sale and all the stuff and we got to drive all the way down western avenue because i wasn't ready to head for the expressway my first day pulling a boat we got stopped three times by the police because there wasn't a license on the trailer now, you think anybody would ever think of something like that? And they were all real nice. Hey, would you guys, you don't have a license? I know, here we just bought the boat. Going to get hey, good luck with that boat, guys. It looks like a beauty. And that, you know, there was no no screw up. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the stop. They were just, they were good guys. Just wondering if we had iced in somebody's boat. And, uh, you know, we had the bill sale and everything was fine. I can't imagine anybody getting stopped on the Ryan for anything like that. Well, I mean, there's no, you're saying there's no enforcement anywhere of any of this stuff. Hey, but back to this Dartmouth thing, uh, two things. One is, um, I don't know which is more important. That's why I'm axing. They, they, uh, the first part was they absolutely are employees. Who's kidding who? And the second part is they they have a right to unionize. I'm not so sure about the union part, but they seem pretty. They're not. They're not. They're not employees. Um, okay. Why not? Well, for one thing, the authority that the coach has over the way these kids operate is far and away greater than any workplace management or supervision control. All right, so why why doesn't that make him an employee? Well, because the the relationship is in loco parentis, more like a parent-child relationship than it is an employer-employee relationship. And that's that's the model that should be used in analyzing this thing. These these keep I mean these kids are why, not Why can't I put that model? School. Why can't I put that model for PTI? Well, you could, but why would you want to be a parent? <laughs> I don't know, but it seems like, it seems like you sort of are anyway. If you got enough people, but the I mean, I mean, the amount of control. Think about the amount of control these coaches have over these kids. Tell you what, rent rent, rent rent four apartments in a building, and you, you definitely feel like you're a parent. I'm I'm sure of that. Um, look at the amount of control these these coaches have. These are not these are not employers. These are not managers supervising these kids. These are these are parents supervising these kids. But they're getting kids. paid. So they get an allowance. Okay. You know? I, I mean, I mean, you know, they go they go do chores, whatever. There's there's a better model for assessing this that I, doesn't open up the door to to the kind of idiocy that is going to happen here. And and okay, fine. If they're employees, if they are employees then we need to just do away with the requirement they attend school. Well, we, we, I think we sort of have at the graduate level. Uh, but not not, not in fact. All right, so Maybe the, the kid that came to Notre Dame last year, the quarterback, they, in my opinion, there was a synergy. How is this the, kid, for, the kid they stole from Duke? No, the last, last year, Hartman. Oh, oh okay. The, there's a synergy, notice I'm not accusing anybody of anything, between his all of a sudden... NIL deal with Under Armour that just happens to do they have the deal with Notre Dame, so he ends up at Notre Dame. The kid shows up to do graduate work and blah blah blah. I would under no under no dream would that would I consider that in local parentis. I that would never even the tip of my tongue. And yet, and yet, the coach can dictate what the kid can what the kid has to eat. The coach coach can dictate what time the kid has to go to bed. The co- coach can restrict the kids' activities. Most parents would love. Hours. Name me a parent who's got that kind of 
Uh, I'm, Sway with I'm an 18-year-old kid that, or 21-year-old kid. That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Let, let's address the argument. The coach has, the coach has authority over this kid at all hours of the day, controls his lifestyle, controls who he runs around with, controls all of this. He's a parent. He's not an employee. My mom was pretty much are a dictator, but I don't kid? say she had anywhere are, near that kind of authority. <laughs> are, are we going to pay? Are we going to pay the kid for time spent in film study? Are we going to pay the kid for time spent in class? Is that part of his? Is well, that is, part he, of his is he? Is he? Is he? Are we going to pay him? Are we going to pay him for time spent at meals? Let, these nobody's really thinking about this, and of course, I, this is why I think the NLRB is is wrong. And what about wait, 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 what about Under Armour that says do everything the coach says you're going to do? They're the employer then. Well, you know, and and maybe that's a better way to look at it is to say the guys that are paying you money. But, well, it, it, short answer, technically, yes, Under Armour would be an employer. We are paying you, or, or, or the franchisor, we are paying you to do certain things using our stuff. You're paying you to, uh, to play football in Notre Dame. You're a, you're a contractor for Under Armour. Maybe that's the way to look at it. All right. and, and the relationship, the relationship is not employer-employee, it's independent contractor. That at least would make more sense because there's an end to that. There is no end to the work, the quote work hours unquote of a college of a college athlete. They are under the control of the employer uh, that is the football team or the college 24/7. In in a normal working world, chief, you get paid for that. You're you're entitled to an hourly wage for that, and and so every every activity in which that kid engages where where the the team is requiring him to be there he's entitled to compensation well, the, for that. The, the number at some of these schools is 80 grand that's without any of this other crap a lot of people work for a lot less than that like most of society uh, I'm, I'm not that that's not that that's also irrelevant okay the, the the point is do you do you are you going to make the relationship, which, as I said, is far more intrusive than than any. Which makes me wonder why. It would, okay, which makes me wonder why. I mean, I guess w- what's the difference in me paying somebody at PTI by the hour and saying, "Here's a hundred grand. You're doing everything I tell you to do for the next year." What's the difference? Uh, well, because you have to account for that on, on work, either on a salary basis. Or, or well, what's hundred grand divided by twelve? Nine thousand no, a month, or whatever. Not, it is. Nope, that's not the way it works. You you have to you have to pay them either on a on an hourly basis, on a set work week, or you're paying them a salary. Well, that's the salary, hundred grand a year. <laughs> okay. And Do whatever I tell you, whenever I tell you. So, so if if you pay that that salary, then you have to have a job description. That comports with a salaried, it's called a, an exempt position. So you have to have somebody in a salaried exempt position, which means they have to be in a job for you in which they are exercising discretion and not just being told what to do. I'm, 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 I'm at a bar, I'm pretty sure, which I never do, by I'm, the way, drink too much. If I was at a bar, drink too much, get I'm out of bed, pretty, come get me. I'm pretty sure most athletes don't fall into that category. All right. Hey, uh, we have our, our, a few minutes. What... Uh, 
what's going on in all the wars of the world with the this guy they took out in Baghdad. Um, so I did, ran- you, did you see? It looks like they may have used the Ginsu missile. Thought the Ginsu was a knife. It is a knife. All right, but it, it's also a missile. You, you're seriously all the interesting stuff that you fixate on. You have not heard of the Ginsu I have missile from you. I, my question. All right, let me ask a question. Do you remember the movie uh, um, *Clear and Present Danger*? Yes. Where they had the, the was it the Bronco that the that the uh, the drug guy had, and, and the dudes got up on the hill and they put yeah the, the bright yellow the bright yellow was like a like a hum hum uh, whatever hummer, it was, and they put the laser or whatever it was on the Humvee, so the smart bomb zeroed yep. in and nailed. Do you think that's what happened here? Um, yeah, I do. Except it was a drone. Okay. You know, they probably had a drone targeting him. What's the they, what's the payload of the of a big drone now? Um, well, okay, so something like they were using, like a Reaper, which is a General Atomics um, prop-driven, turboprop-driven thing, uh, it could carry, I think, you know, you know, 200, 300 pounds, maybe three or four of those Hellfire missiles. Right, so they're not, they're not as big as a World War II fighter plane or something like that. Well, some of them are, but they don't, they don't have a, they're not, those big ones aren't really fitted right now for payloads okay um you know your, your global hawk for example it it has a payload but it's not fitted for weapons its payload is all re- you know, reconnaissance equipment okay and it's a size it's the size of a small aircraft um a- anyway they they killed this guy it, it, as it sounds they got intel on where he was and they put uh you know they had a they had a drone following him with a with a hellfire missile the drone <clears throat> Self, the, the Reaper, or another drone puts a laser on the car, or if they were using, there are variations of the Hellfire where you just you get the TV image up, you you show the missile the TV image, and the missile locks on the video image, and it goes after the video. We have, uh, now Baghdad is obviously in Iraq, not Iran, correct? So, yes. So we, I've, I've read, and I'm, just, I'm asking the question, that one of the problems with Iran is it's very very difficult to have boots on the ground there in terms of intelligence obviously in, in, in Iraq we probably can do it a hell of a lot easier since we're there as much as they are right? Yeah although I, I suspect that this was not a human kind of arrangement I suspect this was more of a SIGINT signals intelligence situation they picked up cell phone calls from this guy and, and you know knew what he was doing and so they identified him and then and then moved assets, you know, tracked him carefully, moved assets into position to take him down and, and did it. And and again, I think I think the way we've conducted ourselves with respect to the Houthis and the assaults with respect to Gaza has been deplorable and, and idiotic. But having said that, I mean there there is a, a, a tactical and maybe even a strategic advantage from telling your adversaries, "Hey, we're going to blow up the following places," so so you know, stand by. You then watch as they scurry out of those places and go to other places. That allows you to identify those other places. I'm not saying this administration was smart enough to think that far ahead. I think they are simply looking at we can't we can't do anything that might really make Iran mad. And so, and so that's why they were giving advance warning of what was happening, but uh, what we intended to do. But um, 
uh, there is an advantage. There, there can be an advantage of giving your enemy warning. Well, you want and you want watching what they do. But you also if you follow it up. But the the, the situation where you don't want to look, you have to be in a position where you, re, you re, return fire with fire, but also don't want a full out war. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Uh, so the question question I have is. Are you are you looking to try to to solve the problem with your de, with your deterrent steps? And and the short answer is we're, we're not. Um, we're, we're engaging in this kind of idiotic gradualism. The way to end this, and the Iranians have proved very responsive to to this kind of pressure. The way to solve this, or one way to solve this, is to is to basically tell Iran we're not going to tolerate certain actions that you guys are engaging in and and we're going to destroy the assets that we're involved in there are two iranian intelligence collection ships in the in the red sea right now or uh, yeah red sea right now that are providing targeting information to the houthis those vessels should be sunk there are iranian national vessels involved in piracy they should be sunk and 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 then till we tell the iranians if you bring any more assets into that area we're going to sink those vessels and oh by the way we're going to sink a few more just so you get the message or alternatively we take we take a b2 or some other stealthy cruise missile and we fly it over tehran and we crater the runways on their airports and and basically make them unusable for you know a couple of weeks and say this is a warning shot if you don't pull your maniacs back in with respect to the Red Sea, and let this go. We're, well, this is, you know, we're going to up the ante. I don't, I don't know. And, and you know, one of the really interesting things about the Ukraine war, you asked me how the war is going. The war in Ukraine is not going well. The Ukrainians are running out of out of weapons because we're not we're not filling the pipeline as fast as we were, and the Europeans can't, and the Russians are are expending hundreds of of vehicles and armored personnel carriers and tanks and thousands of men in what are effectively human wave assaults against against Ukrainian positions so that's not going well but one of the one of the things that's come out of that conflict is the fact that our technology seems to be pretty good against against russian and russian generational type weapon systems now we don't know how far the Chinese have improved. The Russians have, have given them, or what they've started with. I would say that their stuff is 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 probably better. But um, to the extent that the Iranians are armed with Russian air defense systems and whatever, there's a great video that came up I think two days ago of two Storm Shadow stealthy cruise missiles flying right over the top of a uh, of a Russian uh, S-400, which is their most modern surface-to-air missile system, flying right over the top of the thing on their way to hit some target somewhere. And I mean, you, you don't get you don't get a much better indicator of contempt than to than to route your stealth weapons right over the top of an air defense battery and, and basically say, see, you guys are you guys are helping well, us. I, I- we got to dash here in a couple minutes, but I, my concern on this, Lou, is that as soon as I saw the uh, um, pictures in the tunnels of all the North Korean missiles that the uh, 
Hamas used. I, I you know, I, I'm with you. I'm 60, 65 percent along the lines of the, you know, the Iranians are the are the nastiest people on earth. At least the people in power. Yet every time I met somebody from Iran, they're some of the nicest people I've ever come across, educated and everything else. I mean, can't imagine what's like living over there uh, for regular people. But having said that. I'm not so sure that they're alone in being the no good nick here. Uh, I mean, China's involved, North Korea's oh, involved, involved, Russia's involved, everybody's involved. involved. Yeah, this is. You, you remember the old? You remember you know, people kind of laughed at Ronald Reagan when he said the axis of evil. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, there. It's there it is, and uh, and it's it, and they 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 seem to hang with each other. <laughs> but I, I mean, know, imagine imagine you imagine us having proxies. That did what Hamas did when they came out of Gaza and attacked. Well, it's not the like we haven't had proxies, but not like that. Imagine yeah. we had proxies yeah. like that. I, I can't even. Imagine we had proxies in the last thirty or forty years that systematically beheaded, raped, tortured, and murdered civilians deliberately. That was the point of the attack. Oh yeah, no doubt. And and. You know, and and we're okay. We would be okay with that. That's that's the government. Those are the governments that we're dealing with on the other side of this equation. I think, and I'm not, and I'm not saying we're we're pure as the driven snow. No, we're not. not. I'm saying we're a lot better though. Well, but I asked, a, our snow's a lot whiter than their snow. I asked our other our other uh, vet, Mr. Mike Murphy, last week. I said, okay, you're you're pretty sure that Iran is behind all this stuff, and I'm you know, and I have the opinion if they're not behind, it's because they wish they would be, but. So, so I'm kind of with you guys, but at the, the at the end of the day, what if we find out that China's up their eyeballs in it too? We're not going to bomb China, are we? He says no. No, we're but not. we'll you do. Know. We can do other. I mean, we we've already chief. We already know that China is deliberately behind the importation of tons of fentanyl through oh, Mexico. Yeah, right. that this is part of their national strategy to destabilize us. Well, and I mean, that's what they're doing. I don't we know it. And so, why can't we deal with the people in Mexico? We don't seem to be able to do that. Are there too many people here? Uh, I, I, you know, I, we can't even close our border. This president's not even willing to take even the most rudimentary steps to close our border. But dealing with Mexico on a normal basis would cause the problem. Would 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 be part of the problem. We got to dash a little bit. It seems like the problems are all over the place. Every time you talk about one, one another, another one pops up. I mean, are there, yeah, well, that's 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 the impact of America, the vacuum of America's leadership on in the international scene. Um, for how many years? Twenty-five. Uh, it's been coming. It's been coming for a while. Yeah. All right, bud. You take care of yourself. Uh, you guys getting inundated with snow? Are you part of this river, the atmospheric river? Or are you dodging it? Most of it's going to the uh, southwest part of the state, but we're going to get hit. Pretty, we had a little bit last weekend. We'll get some more this weekend. So this is a, a Telluride ski weekend if you were skiing. Yeah, I think they've got like they're getting like two feet, an oh, additional wow. two feet of snow down there. Good for them. You and I could go hang at the t- fly me to the moon saloon and hold the pool table for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Are you a pool player? I would imagine you are. Uh, I, I mean, I can, I can, I can rip the felt with the best of them. Oh God! All right, <laughs> have a good one. S P futures up down nine now. Nasdaq's down thirty three. Be right back, Mr. Danjanis. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Are you listening to me? And I'll be taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. I've been taking care of business. It's all right. Taking care of business and working overtime. Well, I'm going Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. We have Greg Pampas. Is it? Were those guys a one-hit wonder, or were they more than that? Bachman turned over. They weren't just a one. They were pretty good being for a while, weren't they? Boy, so long ago. Dan, Dan remembers. He's you know he's yeah. Old. Oh yeah, they were popular when I was in college, and they, yeah, they had album albums out. They had they had um, LPs when you were in college, or just the forty yeah. fives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the forty fives of those those uh, those those record players. God, they were the best, weren't they? The uh, yeah, absolutely. Did you ever did you ever have a seventy eight? Had a couple seventy eights from my, my yeah, parents. Yeah, seventy eights. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking about yeah, growing up. We're talking about scratchy stuff. Hey, yeah. uh, Dan, we've got the market continuing to go kind of to the upside here. It's getting narrower and narrower, it seems. Um, some of the stocks are pushing valuations that, uh, well, I never thought they would. And the, the Fed looks like they're back on putting money back in the system, whether it's politically motivated or they just think they need to. I don't know. But uh, that stuff sort of happening and I, I guess my question to you is since you and I are, are both in the in the concern about um, let's make money but also let's keep the money um, which you know some people are they make a bunch and then they lose a bunch because they don't ever get rid of something or hedge it or whatever I uh, we have the capability um, you and I since we both are are capable on the, on the IB platform I mean, if somebody wanted to I mean, somebody were to say, you know, I, I, I think I've sort of had enough. My life has changed, and I still want to stay long some stuff, but I want to hedge maybe a little bit of it. I want to put, you know, some in protected, some in, in fixed income. We could, in two days, we could set that person up, couldn't we, you and I? <clears throat> Absolutely, yeah. There's still a fair amount of liquidity in the system. I mean, yeah. it's not quite as much as there was a few years ago, but there's still enough liquidity that we can make those moves very, very quickly. Um, I actually did some analysis um, that's interesting looking at um, where bonds and corporate bonds in particular have been trading this year. So to use the analogy of stocks being, you know, a lot of stocks being overvalued or or more than fairly valued, let's put it that way. um, If you look at um, investment grade bonds, and those are those bonds that are rated triple B and higher by the rating agencies, Standard & Poor and Moody's. So, so the the higher grade, the better quality investment grade uh, bonds now are trading, believe it or not, with a spread of only 1.24 percent more than their comparable treasury. So the way you determine the price, if you will, or the value of the bond, is by adding the treasury of the of the corporate bond is the adding the treasury 
um, of the same maturity and then comparing the spread, the difference in the yield between that treasury and that corporate bond. Well, right now, that spread is down to 1.24%, and that's the lowest it's been in quite some time. So to me, the word that we use in our market, you know, is that the bonds are rich. They're expensive right now. Interesting thing, the average spread is close to 2% historically for investment grade bonds. So 1.24% advantage or 124 basis points over treasuries is not that attractive right now. And one further point, because of the strange shape of the yield curve right now where short rates that as we were talking, those one to three T, one to three year T bills are yielding over five and a half percent. There are actually corporate bonds, and you don't have to go out very long, two year, five year, 10 year, um, that are yielding less than the T bill because of the shape of the yield curve. So there's an advantage right now, I, I believe still to stay in short, to stay in, in these one to three year T bills. We have the strategy of being able to um, actively manage them because because we're getting institutional pricing we get much much better pricing lower trade costs and all that and with our actively managed strategy you're getting close to six percent so you you're, you can have a risk-free strategy that's paying anywhere from you know is paying as much as 50 basis points over what you're getting in an investment grade bond and so this is something that this is a something that doesn't happen very often but uh, it's it's currently, um, you know, the valuations, if you will, are very rich on on high grade bonds. Now, if you look at high yield, which high yield bonds are, as they've been known to be called, junk bonds, where the ratings fall below triple B, so that would be double B rated, single B rated, triple C rated. The average spread today on those bonds is 3.5 percent higher, or 350 basis points over the comparable treasury. Now that yield historically is 5.37 or 537 basis points. So when you're asking about stocks being overvalued, corporate bonds are also very overvalued right now relative to the historic spreads. So this, you know, this is one more reason to be invested in T-bills. You should still have some exposure to corporates what I'll tell the listeners and, and people who want to have exposure, who just have a little bit of money um, that they want to put into the bond market, there are a couple of ways you can do that. One way is by, rather than buying the individual bonds, you could buy the ETF and the exchange traded fund for T-bill. And that would give you a mix of T-bills that are in the one to three year range so this ticker symbol is T-B-I-L, T-B-I-L. If you just want to have exposure to T-bills, it's much better to buy bonds directly, any bonds, whether it be T-bills, corporates, than buying the ETF. But if you want to have exposure to T-bills and you only have a small amount of cash, you can buy uh, the ETF T-bill or um, the ETF. You're not a big fan bills. of the TLT though, are you? That's a longer term one? That would be a longer term run. This is for short term T-bills. If you want to have exposure, you just have a little bit of cash that you want to put to work, but you don't want the, you don't want to see that, you don't want, you want 100% capital appreciation. And that's what you'll get with T-bill or bill. 
So it's T-B-I-L on the ticker symbol or B-I-L. And again, these are very short term, um, one to three, three month um, T-bills. So that this is a way that you, if you have just a little bit of money and you want to put it, put it in the T-bills without having to buy each individual one, that's one way you can gain exposure. The way, the best way to gain exposure to the overall bond market, if you just have a little bit of money and want to make an allocation without buying the individual bonds the way that we do, is by buying a mutual fund. And the one that we like that's been kind of a steady eddy, um, old time favorite is um, Dodge and Cox's mutual fund, um, their income mutual fund, which is just fixed income. But it includes corporates, it includes mortgages, it includes treasuries, it includes T-bills. The ticker symbol on that one is D-O-D-I-X, D-O-D-I-X, uh, Dodge and Cox Income Fund. And this is a large, a very large fund. It's held in quite a few, um, it's an option in quite a few 401ks. And it's uh, it's probably one of the top picks. Uh, lower fees for a mutual fund, and also good strong performance. Now, the one thing that people who aren't involved in the bond market don't realize, but we gain as managers, as institutional managers of fixed income, we gain a huge advantage when it comes to buying corporate bonds. When it comes to buying any bonds, for that matter, we're getting be we're getting better priority. And in, with stocks, it doesn't matter as much because the stocks trade on an exchange. Well, it sure does but with options. Of, sure does with options. If you're trying to get from one it, to another and know it, how to put spread orders in and stuff, it's a massive it's a, change. If we absolutely. do it, for, if we do it versus that, a person does, they they don't get it. They think of fill them and bill them, but boy, you lose a quarter, a quarter and eighth every month, and you're trying to do something. It, it, it adds up. Yep, absolutely. So you do have that advantage being an institutional manager, especially when it comes to fixed income, when it comes to options. Um, the you know, from, so going through and kind of going back to your initial comment about you know some of these names being overvalued, the only part of the market that we see that isn't overvalued that continues to remain undervalued, and again, if you want to gain exposure to to this part of the market, uh, would be the small caps. Now we have, as you know, because we've mentioned many great great small cap names over time and I do think there's going to be a time to step back in once we have a clearer picture of when the Fed's going to start cutting because as soon as that happens I think you're going to want to be in small caps before this happens but that's going to be a sign for for those riskier assets if you will the smaller cap names generally less liquid names to um, have a pop so uh, IJR the ticker symbol IJR is a uh, ETF that'll that'll give you broad-based exposure to um, small cap stocks. If, if there is a if there is a uh, life forms in the second planet off Alpha Centauri, and somebody's listening to the show, <laughs> why why would I listen to every other guy on TV and now Mr. Dan Janitas <clears throat> say that if the Fed Starts lowering rates, stocks should go up. When the entire time they've raised rates, stocks have gone up. Why? Why? If I'm sitting there going, what, it, no matter what yeah. they, do, no matter what they do, stocks go up. What? what what's going yeah, on here? It is true, and I think part of it is because when we talked about this uh, earlier in the week that the market in, anticipates sometimes 
you know, it should it should be anticipating what's going on nine months to eighteen months from now. But sometimes the market gets ahead of itself, and some of the um, decisions, as we've spoken here um, at length uh, about trying to anticipate rate cuts, are already built into the market. However, um, some of the some of the market, a little bit of the market, has been left behind. So certainly. The momentum that we've seen in larger cap names has continued and the mega cap names has continued but the smaller caps in this case have been left behind so that's where i would see value going forward i do think the economic environment is is very favorable that was what we wrote in our year-end letter or our our 2024 forecast is to expect a solid year not only in the economy but in the financial markets we just have to, I mean, our job is to look at the nuances in the market and, and the way, um, just as you mentioned, Chief, that, that a lot of times that things go against um, what your expectation, what your you know, common sense would tell you. Why, why are stocks going up when rates are going up? Um, and they have. And I think some of that is people anticipating that rate increases aren't going to last for a long time. So at this point now, we know that there are going to be cuts. It's a lot more clear cut. It's just a question of patience and a question of waiting for that to happen. Do you think but there's I a? Say, you mentioned. Uh, the f- okay, but the, you mentioned the Russell because I, I think I might ask yeah, you this in the, list. in the future. I'd say the Russell or the IJR, the you know the iShares of the, of um, the small cap um, index, uh, are, are do have value still. Unlike the mega cap, unlike the tech, unlike corporate bonds, right now, that can change. But right now, that's the area of the market that I think has values. And for those listeners, as I mentioned, that want to have a little exposure, you can get in early. I don't think there's ever anything wrong with getting in too early. I never recommend buying everything all at once, like making a sharp move. We have the ability to do that if we want. But for an individual investor or listener who just wants to have exposure to the market, it's okay to get in early. You might just have to wait before you start seeing that that pop in the in the price of the IJR or why, uh, why, why do you Russell. I guess my question one of them, I got all kinds of questions but I've asked a few other people and it has has to do with uh, should I say my own insecurity uh, <laughs> it's not an insecurity it's it's a knowledge that you obviously have which, yes. which a, lot of, a lot of retail people if they think about it they do but they don't really think about it they if they if they you know, if they subscribe to to Joe's you know service, who says he's made a million dollars, never had a losing trade for the last fifty years, and Joe says buy Nike, and you you just buy Nike, okay, and then you, uh, you but the thought never crosses your mind. I mean, I've, I've asked people in seminars. I said, just by the way, when you guys buy hundred shares IBM, who are you buying it from? And they look at you like you got four heads. And I said, no, seriously, who are you buying it from? Well, I'm just buying the market. We're putting the order. We're buying it from the market. No, no, you don't buy it from the market. You buy it from a person who, right. at the same time, you're saying X, Y, Z is a great buy, is saying I can't get, wait to get rid of it. So <laughs> your, your assumption is that you're smarter than the other guy all the time. Well, if you ever traded on a trading floor for 20 years, you better not make that assumption. You assume the other guy is smarter than you all the time, and you hedge it immediately, and you, and you, and you work on the eighth spread or quarter spread you're getting. Uh, it's a whole different program. I, I never assume that I'm smarter than the guy who's... Who's, who's on the other side of the trade? Yet, retail people, newsletter people, sort of do. Now, my question with the Russell, I like I like you 
think it is in relation to the other stuff is fairly undervalued and right now we put some money into Russell last week I'm not so sure that there isn't some given the crap the government's doing and favoring the big people over the little people I'm not so sure that the Russell isn't going to be a part this is I'm just being contrary to myself and you because I just put money in there I'm not so sure the Russell's not going to be the part that goes over the fence last for the next decade because right now, nobody cares about small... Co- the, m- the more some politician talks about m- small businesses and, and middle-class people, the more I think they're going to screw them the second they can. I mean, the, the uh, advantage these big firms have... I mean, look at Microsoft. Are they going to own everybody? I mean, you know, the thing... It, it's, a, it's a colossus. It's the biggest... You know, the biggest uh, beat-up of the uh, antitrust laws that any company I've ever seen. And somehow they fly under the radar. I mean, I... And I don't get it, but is, is in other words, is the Russell going to come back or not? I, I'm not so sure. I, I think it will, Chief. I think it will when. Well, I obviously do too because uh, they put money in there, but but still, I'm, I'm critiquing but, myself here. But I think the time that we're waiting for, there's going to have to be a when when risk on comes back. So so risk on has been there for a while, um, and you're right. The way the the talk about that that we're hearing from the administration is not really necessarily favorable for the smaller companies but one thing I'd say um, a lot of the high yield bonds for example are small companies they fall into the small cap range and the default rates on those companies have has been extremely low during these last three years so even though we technically hit a recession during those two quarters I think we did I'm um, going back a few yeah. years oh, yeah. um, there there it has not impacted um, small caps and one of the other reasons we can go back to the prior downturn, 07, 08, um, you know, when we saw the, the great financial crisis um, or any of the other financial crises that were, were happening. Um, the, the, the thing that's different is since, um, I, I can go all the way back to the, late, to the late 80s and early 90s when we had that, and there is a certain amount of education that good CEOs get, and that includes small cap CEOs, to make sure their balance sheets remain strong. So they may not be as strong as larger cap companies. They may not have the same, um, you know, they not they may not have the same um, advantage that larger cap companies have because of their size. But in certain industries, I would say many, if not most of the small cap companies are in better shape if you look at their balance sheet today than they were certainly 15 years ago. So there has been, that is something that has helped. Um, there's other sources of capital now, we're talking about private credit, private equity, that have helped th- that sector of the market as well. What it doesn't have, what small caps don't have, is the liquidity. And anytime we enter an uncertain period, the liquidity dries up and the and the um, price it, it's difficult to see price appreciation. Well, also, what, what, if you had a, if you had a, uh, you, know, you, you came out with some really interesting uh, statistics, this bond versus that bond, earlier in the show. If you had to put put a number on, um, even even the guys that you you, I, mean, I was going to say a plumbing company with ten trucks, which is a pretty good sized company, right? But yeah. but the guys you talk about, people that are in the, you know, the asphalt storage business in Florida, or people doing this, right. were there. What, what, what would you what would you put them, uh, Dan? Twenty million dollar, fifty million dollar companies a year. I mean, I don't know where would even uh, 
100 well, million? I'm thinking, yeah, you could go that low, but I, I'm talking about companies that are larger than that. Okay, but say whatever, I guess, pick, pick a number. It's a, Say they sell a billion dollars worth of stuff. It's a lot. Right. Uh, what is their interest rate vis-a-vis Microsoft or Amazon when they need when they have a liquidity problem? I'm going to say they're six, and the other guys are two and a half, or were. It, it, yeah, it could be that drastic depending on the company and the industry. Um, and but there are a lot of small cap companies that do have good capitalizations, that do have good balance sheets, that do have good relationships with their banks. And it's really the I think the point you're getting to. Um, or even if you're not getting to it, I'll get the book. Yeah, I think, it's, it's, just, it's just that banks have tightened credit across the board. So that means that they're more likely to lend to larger companies that have more collateral, more capital, more, um, you know, that, can, that have proven themselves than certainly the smaller companies. So I would differentiate what type of smaller companies we're looking at. If you're talking about a single, a single um, product biotech firm, those companies are going to be your highest beta or your highest risk companies oh, yeah. will have the most trouble i agree with you getting lending period and then if when they do get lending it's going to be at a higher rate but most of those companies are, are tapping the financial markets through the equity side or going through an, another route to get um, financing and not so much using um, banks or, or or fixed income for that matter so there's a you know corporate bonds, so there so that's part of it, and and I think the other the other part of it is that this environment I believe is going to change, and it takes time. In every environment we've seen, when we start seeing improvement across the board, not only in the economy but in the financial markets, rates coming down. There are a number of things that um, I call them tailwinds for the small cap names that have been well capitalized and have survived the last three years. Yeah, why do you, uh, I mean, a lot of people, like, like when the gross versus net and God knows economy and whether it's good or bad and who, whether this person's good, this person's bad, what do you make of all these huge, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not even researching, I hear them on the, the amount of credit card debt, uh, oh, yes. the, the, the amount of, uh, automobiles and credit card debt that are now not performing. I mean, to me, the underside of the economy right now is is driving itself in the in, I won't say into the ground, but it's it's really weakening. Now, the the upper end, you know, the amount of amount of fat pills people can buy, I, I guess I guess that'll drive the drug companies for the next 5 years, but I you know, I'm not so sure if this this big growth scenario here. I mean, I, there's going to be some people that as we buy more rackets and things for all these wars, I mean, the big numbers might stay there, but I'm not so sure the degradation in the economy isn't starting dramatically here. I, no, I and I absolutely agree. In fact, I a couple couple points, uh, a couple of things to your your point. Uh, the I think the um, first the uh, the middle class is sort of being pushed out, and I and I read an article yesterday about how if you look at which states um, are having where the middle class has shrunk the most, the states are going to obviously be the high, you know, the high tax, the high uh, cost of living states, the the New Yorks and New Jerseys, the um, California, Washington State. Um, and the interesting thing is to me that kind of goes against what traditionally has been in our lives, the, you know, the, the difference in the political parties. Um, and here you have the states that are, that are, you know, generally more 
uh, Democratic, more blue states, having a bigger problem with the, the middle class, you know, losing the middle class or having this disparity, as you've been mentioning, which I think is a really good observation. Um, the, and, and that's where I kind of get a little bit confused as to um, what we hear um, on the political side. And I do want to caution the listeners when they're listening now to, um, you know, whether it be Bloomberg, CNBC, Fox Business News, they are spending an inordinate amount of time talking about politics. And in doing so, what, what I want to hear when I listen to this and, and I'm not hearing this is what they're going to do for the middle class. What's going to happen? I want to hear a plan that's going to that's going to promote the middle class. That's going to give either a tax break or, or some sort of credit to to middle class people because, that that um, part of our class structure has been squeezed out, and especially in in the Californias and New Yorks and New Jerseys. There are two things, and, but and that, what, that's a concern. Two two things. Uh, and I don't really want because I have to I want to ask you a big question here. Uh, two things: none of these people care about the middle class. They're not. They're not the ones that are give, putting money in their back pocket. Unfortunately, I mean, the, we 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 the middle class have lost the union lobby, which right. you know, again, whatever you think about unions and whether they got too bureaucratic and blah blah blah, they did, but probably not as bureaucratic as the government. Um, the fact is, they they lined up with the middle class pretty good, and now they're not there. Yes. So they're not there to a huge extent. Uh, the other is, I'm going to say, unfortunately, you just said what I've been trying to say, maybe not as eloquently. This election, we're not going to hear one real issue that you and I want to talk about. It, absolutely, and I think the listeners need to know that that our markets are our, our markets, the financial markets have generally stayed away or, or not paid as much attention and for the most part because we don't have to um, we do need to know what's going on we do need to hear all this rhetoric but we also have I think my point at, you know at this point depending on what who gets in office I don't think that's going to be as significant a, um, a you know it's not going to significantly impact the financial markets now I was going through and thinking about during the Trump administration the one thing that happened during the, his administration that really was very positive for the financial markets was cutting uh, corporate tax rates and cutting them fairly significantly the 15% decline um, in corporate tax rates absolutely helped every company out there Okay so and that all right, so we we went from whenever 30, you do no no man can do one thing Dan I mean Right we cut tax rates for those guys, and now every taxpayer owes two hundred and sixty grand to the government. Exactly. Oh, is that a, exactly. that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. No, it's just. I guess it, I'm just. What I'm the point I'm trying to make is that you know if you think about some of the policies, they don't necessarily directly impact um, the financial markets. Now they may impact certain sectors of the economy or certain companies, but I don't think. I think the the market has learned over the years that it doesn't really matter as much who's in office as to what policies get you know put through and, and what actually um, what happens. The thing about cu the cutting of corporate tax rates is that it it was I think it was too much at the time that it was done. I think it should have been done in stages, it, but it also did put more money into our system. And in some ways, if you want to be I don't know play devil's advocate or if you want to look at the corporations or or maybe this is just a factual. Um, a factual point that uh, corporations 
have also, because they have this extra money and they've been able to um, spend it and invest, that also puts up with pressure on inflation. So there is a, as you were alluding to, there is a um, consequence to doing a dramatic move like that. And I don't see that we've had a whole lot of dramatic moves that impact our market um, well, the, the, you know, the Fed recently. The Fed is, is in, the government, the Fed, is intimately involved now in this wealth bubble. And by the way, you and I, because we manage money for people, have benefited from that. Yes. But, but right now, if you were to, you know, waterboard Jay Powell and say, if you were to, if you were to choose between inflation that eviscerates the bottom 80% and the, and the wealth bubble to top 20%, he's going to pick the, top, the wealth bubble anytime, every time now. Yeah, and, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't... Uh, uh, Mike, Mike, the question is, I'm running over a little bit, but John probably would like to opine on this one. Uh, I don't think you remember back in the late 60s. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to try this weekend, the end of, if I don't get Super Bowl goofy, um, to do some research. When Bretton Woods started, or uh, and we went off the gold standard in 68, yep. with the attempt to essentially put more money in the system so we could pay for the the uh, Vietnam War bill would essentially printed money. I mean, none of this ever changes. Does this sound familiar? I mean, it sounds like what we're doing yes, now. I mean, it sounds very, I mean, the Dutch did it in the 1600s, for God's sake. Uh, right. uh, so at some point, and I remember, you know, I was in high school, and I, you know, I wasn't involved in the market. My grandfather was really into it, but um, I remember every single night, it seemed, the market was up for like a while. Uh, maybe to like, I mean, I got to go back and look at the dates, but when they started putting money in the system, it was sort of just like now. The market went up like every night. Someplace, somewhere, and that lasted for a while, somewhere in the 70s, where they kept doing it, kept doing it, and then we had the, the oil shack of the Middle East and all the other stuff that kind of you know, ruffled the feathers of the, of the program. Um, the interest rates started to shoot up. They weren't as careful about buying all the paper as they were this time. You know, this time they were careful about that. So if you actually shorted bonds, you got to shove where the sun don't shine. But now, it appears the Fed has put more money back in, and they're not buying all this stuff up. I think that there's a chance this time, if they keep doing this, they're going to end up with a six or seven percent thirty-year rate, and you're going to see the market down forty percent, just like just like it was in the seventies. I, I think I, I think they're pushing the second the second tier here, and, they, and I think they better be careful. Yeah, and that has been it, that is something that we got to think about. We can't just you know I, I've been very favorable in terms of rate cuts and, and hoping that brings down you know inflation coming down, but again inflation is the is the rate of price increase. Yep. It's you know in it they talk about Powell talks about price stability. We may eventually have price stability, and and um, not have as much inflation. But now we've already moved to that higher level, and and you know individuals have gotten used to paying more. For food and for for other items and ser- services as well, so so that um, what that does is it, it it brings inflation and that's what happened in the seventies as well, right? Yep, I mean, huge. But I but, the, but then the rates started going up and the market cratered. But we got a dash Dan, But I'm, I'm going to reiterate again: anybody who feels um, you know somebody who's been in the market for a while, sophisticated kind of clients, anybody who thinks that they want us to look at their portfolio. And see a way that maybe they can keep a lot of their stocks that have done them so well. Maybe we can hedge them a little bit. Maybe we can uh, substitute some uh, option positions for some of them, and where some of the money, half, third, whatever, you want to go on fixed incomes. You know, Dan and I can tag team this, and I don't know where yeah. you'd, 
I don't know where they'd find two better people, then, honestly, but uh, we'll see. I mean, we, plus, we, uh, we don't want absolutely. fifty. We don't want fifty clients. We want like ten. So, so I'm going to maybe maybe a few more than ten, but we don't want a hundred the first day, do we? No, we'll we'll take a few. And, uh, Absolutely, we're ha- happy to help and happy to pre- yeah. preserve that hard-earned capital. And everybody always knows how to find the the, the both of us. Uh, we're here every Thursday, and I'm here every day. Dan, thank you as usual. SP Futures down seven, as if you're down thirty-two. Right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise, with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probability. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, Hello, my friends. Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 8. Nasdaq Futures down 29. One stock uh, bucking this trend is Disney that had, uh, first they were part of the big announcement of this thing with them. Maybe Greg can, uh, knows more about it than me. But the, the, the big three, Disney and uh, um, who else? Time Warner and somebody else are going to try and get together and essentially sp- split up somehow, combine and split up all this, the sports programming. Disney's up 8 bucks uh, today. They're trading 107.10. So that's kind of uh, two earnings in a row. I think they're up, or two out of the last three. Uh, anyway, but today, the, even with those guys up, the Dow futures are unchanged. A couple of the others are down. We got American Express down, a couple others down. Nothing, nothing major. But uh, compared to how much we were up yesterday, <laughs> matter of fact, we'll, we'll, we'll give a reminder on that right now. Uh, yesterday, we were up uh, 156 in the Dow, uh, 40 in the S&P, and 147 in the Nasdaq. We're near up this morning. Uh, DAX up 72.4%, FTSE down 2, call that flat. Uh, CAC around up 52, that's 0.7%. Uh, so uh, European markets ahead of, uh, they got a bunch of earnings over there. One of the companies, Maersk, the guys that do all the container shipping and, and some of their stuff shot at in the Red Sea, they're down 17%, so that's not good. Renasia, mixed bag. Nikkei, let everybody know they're going to keep easy, relatively easy money over there coming, not as easy as here. Uh, relatively easy money coming, so Nikkei's up 743 the, I mean, 35-year highs or whatever. Uh, Hang, Hang Seng back down another 200, under 16,000 again. That's 1.3%. It's kind of bucking the trend of the Chinese going to make sure these markets stay up. Shanghai, however, was up 36, 1.3%. So uh, inconsistency there between the Hang Seng and the, and the mainland. Uh, that, I think we got to keep watching over there. It's a, uh, I don't know, it doesn't look good to me. Uh, U.S. 10-year up 5%, 5 basis points, 4.15. That's a pretty big move. Uh, the bond up four basis points, 
Japan unchanged at 0 0.70. Oil, up now 95 cents, uh, 74.81, so that's higher, 1.3%. In the top end of this range, we might break out of this range. Brent up 102, 80.23. Natural gas unchanged, 195. Gold, uh, down 11 bucks, 2,040. Can't seem to do much there. Every time it gets 250 and wants to go over it, it doesn't. Silver down 5 cents, 22.31. Copper down 2 cents, 3.71. Uh, the U.S. dollar wasn't moving much earlier. It still isn't. But the euro is at 107, and we've got the British pound at 126. Bitcoin uh, up 672, 44,790. So it's inching back near their recent highs. So a lot of stuff moving here this morning. What do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. The Hawks, are they going to win? 738 here in Chicago. About 48 degrees. 55 today, possible showers and thunder later. Uh, Phoenix, same thing, about 49 right now, 57 today with uh, some showers later. Grab your umbrellas. Kennedy, Montrose, uh, uh, Montrose into the interchange, 24 minutes. Edens, Lake Cook to the interchange, 39 minutes. Eisenhower, Wolf Inn is 36 minutes. The Ryan, 95th to 290 is 25 minutes. And finally, the Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 28 minutes. NHL, Wild uh, beat the Hawks at home. That was, you know, the Wild came here and, and won. So the Wild were two, Hawks won. And men's hoops, Notre Dame lost to Duke. That was an 18-point game. Ouch. That was 53-71, to 71, Duke win. Wisconsin lost to Michigan at Michigan, 68-72. And Nebraska lost to Northwestern at Northwestern, 68-80. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. And Mr. Flanagan didn't show up at the bar again last night. I didn't, Tom. Sorry about that. A bunch of judges, a couple of attorneys, heard some interesting stuff. Just saying, you know. It must be my post-legal career where I just, you know, don't feel like I bring much to the table. Well, some of these dudes are up there, but they, they've they been around a while. I still can't get over it that the one guy who was found innocent from murder was in jail for six years. That seems like an awful long time. Well, you got January 6th people who've been in jail for three years. No trial. He's on misdemeanor charges. So. Well, you know, I have to, I have to well, track down... It's an uh, unfair country. It's, it's an unfair judicial system, I'll tell you that. Well, you know, there's still people at Guantanamo that have been there for how many years now, and they, and they know they're innocent. Just nobody wants them. It's 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 unconscionable that that would be that would happen in the U.S. Now it's but it's not surprising. No, I'm I'm shocked by that surprise. No, we had a gentleman. I'd like to get him back. It's been it's been years. It was long before COVID. He was a, an attorney. Probably some people have listened to the show long enough to remember hearing him. He was an attorney from Maryland, and because he had evidently. This is like a, you shouldn't have sex until you had it before type of thing. Well, evidently, in, in, in Washington, you can't be a death penalty lawyer until until you've like done it before, which is sort of weird. But he evidently assisted enough on a couple of death penalty cases that he became certified to be a death penalty attorney. However, I don't know if he want to be that or not, but somehow he was. So he was recruited to be the defense attorney for the people down in Guantanamo. And he would say every couple of months, they'd get into 737, the judges and the attorneys from both sides and everybody, they'd go shooting down there. Since originally they didn't even have a bar, which was bad, uh, they ended up giving people um, containers 
where they put some insulation in there and, a, and a, like a window air conditioner, they tore a piece out of the container, and that was your room. I mean, you know, there's nothing nothing in Guantanamo. I mean, uh, so anyway, he says, but they have they got the prison and all, you know, whatever the, the thing was, it's a base. But the, there's dudes, you know, the, the number keeps dropping because people die. He says there were, or maybe the last time he was on, I thought he said there was like 45 people left or something like that. He said 25 of them, maybe 28 of them, were actually people they thought had done something that were, quote, terrorists or at least, you know, bad guys. The other 15 or 20, everybody knew there was nothing wrong with them. They just happened to be on the same block. You know, they weren't in Interpol, they weren't anywhere. And I said, well, but but the countries they came from were so messed up that they couldn't go back. The villages obliterated or something. And nobody wants them here. I said, well, what do they do, like work at the base? He goes, no, they're they're in jail. They got no place for them except their cell. I go, you got to be kidding me. This, this is this is not the America America that I sort of think I belong to, uh, John. I don't know. Oh, well, you don't have to go to Guantanamo to see evidence of that. Time. No, you don't. No, you don't. I mean, uh, but I don't see why we can't. Well, all the other stuff we're talking about, why can't we just fix one thing at a time? Well, every day, let's just do a little something. I mean, I, why do we? You know, we can't seem to do that. Well, for for starters, what does the Chicago City Council, you know? Get all up in arms about a, a vote on whether there should be a ceasefire in Gaza. You know, well, and was it? Some people, in the city, some people in the city council must be reading the newspapers and you know following the story, and it's all well and good to have strong feelings one way or the other. But how many of these aldermen would ever sit down and talk about having a ceasefire in his or her war? Well, yeah, to find out what the other of the rings are. I mean, yeah. This is this is still beyond the pale for me. You know, why you elect representatives for your your little part of the city when they waste their time on international politics? Well, who gives it blank be blank what they think? It's a hell of a lot easier to tell somebody else to start working out more than it is for yourself to get to the club, right? Well, it, it just it, it puts a big target on their backs and how useless they are when it comes to important stuff. They they saying. think they think they're they're absolutely they're not useless at all. They think this is a big deal. They're, they're and, and to, to to believe that they are overlooking the stuff so close to home that they have to really work hard not to see it or worry about it or condemn it. Jan, so, you're you know, you're worldly wise, cares, intelligent. Who cares how man. strongly they feel about Gaza if they are so unmoved by what's happening on their own block? Um, regular people look in the mirror and see a wrinkle and go, wow, that's a wrinkle. These people look in the mirror and they go, what wrinkle? They, they're totally different people than you and me. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. Somehow you cross the line into where you think you've, you've morphed into something. You know, it's like uh, when I take little Maggie out, she, she's about nine pounds maybe, maybe a couple of teeth left and she's 14 years old. She's ready to take on any dog she sees. She obviously is a, when she looks in the mirror, she sees something a lot different than we see when I look at her. <laughs> I mean, let me at him, let me at him. I mean, these people, have they have no idea. Whatever it is, the, the, the mentality is, is to, so totally different than ours. I mean, it's, I mean, really? I mean, I mean Kevin and I were talk, arguing yesterday politics, which we probably shouldn't do so much on the show, but I mean, Kevin is, he's going to say, boy, I, I can't go from, from first to third like I used to anymore in softball. 
if you if I could if I don't I mean if if the thing is in a, go by the shuttle I stop at second base. He knows that. I know that. I'm going to say Biden and Trump would say, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> just as fast as that. It's I, I don't understand it, Jen. They're just not like us. I don't think. What can I tell you? Well, you know, I'm I'm sort of of a mind that if you you know if we had a different talent pool of people who could get financing or backing to run for president, you know, it it could be somebody like maybe Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or Ramaswamy or, or other people around that have far more charisma than you know the people who are maybe the, the front runners now, but there is no way in hell that they're going to get the kind of backing or even press coverage, let alone Secret Service protection, uh, to make a serious run for it. And they are, con- are continually playing against the odds, and the odds have been so fixed against them, not because of, of anything other than that they're so talented and make such a better appearance that the higher ups that control everything are threatened by that. Every time I hear some politicians say so and so is a threat to democracy, all I can see is they're a threat to you. I mean, let's let's be frank about it, and that gives people all the more reason to well, vote for somebody well, who, who who's kicked, such a threat. Who kicked Rastinkowski out and replaced him with Denny Hastert? What what power behind the scenes did that? I mean, there isn't anybody. I don't, think was, I don't think it was somebody who has ever run for office. I don't think it's anybody who had, anybody could name or identify in the photograph or anything else either. So I, who knows, Tom? I, I wouldn't know, but it's it's a power that you know lurks in the shadows, and that's why they like it to lurk. Well, and, I mean, and, and some of the Republicans, uh, you know, sorry, but some Republicans, they keep uh, um, zeroing in on this deep state. Now the only problem I have with you right-wingers on that, what makes you think that the people who control everything care whether they're a Democrat or Republican? Well, they don't, Tom. That's the yeah. administrative state yeah. is the, is the probably the, the more polished name for it, but it, it just means the, the energies and all these, you know, proliferating administrative agencies that anybody who serves on or, or runs has not been elected to it, and the, the culture that's created in these places whether it's the, the Department of Education, or the Department of Defense, or you name it, they survive whatever administration is, you know, in the White House or is running the two houses of Congress. It doesn't make any difference about the, where that so-called, you know, division occurs. These en- energies are are apolitical, and I think they're all pretty much, you know, not committed to the survival or the strength of this country, but to something else. So they're not even serving domestic interests that I can see at all. Well, it doesn't matter people, who's president. When I mean, people look at Chicago politics, and they and they say, okay, look at what the Democrats have done. Well, first of all, you don't run as a Democrat here anymore. I mean, look, you these people are not Democrats; they're emperors. I mean, the 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 idea, the people who finance the people in Chicago, they get these jobs. You know, they become the mayor. That are going to take all the, the the boon for the next five years, four years, or eight, or however long they're in there. Anybody thinks for a second that they're all Democrats? I'm going to say most of them probably vote Republican on a national election, but I don't really know that. That would be my guess. Is any you if you're these these law firms that give the city all this money? Do you think they're Democrats? You break. I mean, I, I mean, plus what difference does it make what they are? The fact is, they know that the. That, that, that Chicago is money, and if you want stuff from the city, you got to pay up. And why would anybody think for a, for a nanosecond, unless you're 
And Ken, does anybody like sports, playing sports more than me and the, and the guys that you knew in Notre Dame? I mean, I'd get out and do it tomorrow if I, if I was, you know, if I still could do it. Um, I, the idea that we need what would have would have place that has been a fiasco, Sox Field. When I say a fiasco, it's a nice place. I like going there to watch a game. Uh, I've seen as many Sox as I do Cubs when I used to go. The thing, every and every night, if you ever come down for a drink downtown, we're paying for that stadium. People don't even know that, John. I mean, they, they have no idea that the Sox don't pay a nickel for the for the, the, uh, the interest on that place. People here do. Well, that was good old Republican Big Jim Thompson that made yeah. that hit. Yeah, so so all of a sudden now, they're in hack at that place. If the Bears leave Soldier Field, they've refinanced. What do they owe? A couple hundred million bucks or a hundred million bucks that the city, the, the citizens still owe. Now the, the mayor thinks they need another place three blocks away, for what? For five thousand people to show up when the place is actually really nice, Sax Park. I think. I I don't I don't. But now there's money there. I can reward. This guy with the foundation, I can reward. There's, there's other people's money to be handed out. And those are the people that give the dude the dough. Right? I mean, it, and you, you look at, I mean, I, I know some of these people from the club I was in. Whenever they talk about this piece of property to the city was, the, I, know, I know the guys where they, where they were going to put the, the encampment. The, uh, the, the state said was, uh, you know, they, they were part of the, uh, what do you call it, the trucking, Chicago trucking big disaster a few years ago. They're all the same guys. They, they don't, do you think they care whether Brandon Johnson is Democratic or Republican? He is in a place to give out other people's money to the selected few. That's, that's what he is. We don't care if he's a Klingon or whatever he is. That's his spot. He's, in, he's available to give out other people's money to us. And he's the guy that if there's going to be something really stupid like the NASCAR thing on the lakefront... He's the guy that is going to say, "You guys get the porta potty deal, and you're going to make X dollars X, X thousand dollars for that week while they're screwing around over there, because you get to put the porta potties in." And by the way, the, the normal price is fifty bucks a porta potty per day, and you guys are going to charge us seventy five, and we're going to say okay. I mean, does anybody really not understand this? And maybe they don't. I don't. My all my my relatives all understood it because they were Chicago people. This, this is the this is the way of this. All you do is read, read Mike Reichel for thirty years, and how do you not understand this? Well, you don't need any more proof than look, the social justice warriors we had with Lori Lightfoot, Brandon Johnson. They're, they're the ones pushing a casino. Yeah. Did you find anything more anathema to social justice warriors and the regressive tax of a casino? Well, what about the lottery? But no, but this this is their this is their solution to the funding mess, just like the, you know the. The initiative on the March 19th primary to get the transfer tax jump to, to have a, a stream, an income stream for affordable housing, Tom. You know, well, but if you're if you're an alderman, you know, and there's people that are pretty good, I, I, I assume. The whole idea is to get as much as you can out of people that doesn't affect you. So you got to screw everybody who parks because you got a limousine. You don't you don't park, right? <laughs> I mean, let's. I mean, I don't know how many we have left in the city. Let's make sure there's a huge tax on strip clubs, okay, because they don't go to a strip club. They're afraid to go to a strip club. Uh, let's make sure there's a, a huge tax on, on lottery. And any, all you have to do is walk into any of these places, even downtown, and take a picture of the people that are buying the scratch-offs. And if you could possibly interview them, 
you'd find out they have no knowledge of odds. They have no knowledge of anything. They have a lot of, I'm sure, a lot of, like a lot of knowledge of a lot of stuff, but not about what they're doing. When, when, is there a correlation between kids coming out of high school not being able to do statistics, not be able to figure out how they're getting screwed on the scratch-off lottery? Yeah, right. I mean, well, so you're I mean, giving a recipe for why we got the school system we have too. It's it's profitable. I have been. You know, I just. Some people. I mean, I have. I have. Uh, I used to. Well, before I went to the trading floor, I used to love to gamble. I mean, absolutely love it. I still kind of like it, but I've been to Vegas in ages. I mean, I would. I was a half-ass card counter in blackjack. I would love to sit there for hours and see play two hands and see how well I did and if I could break, you know, do better and break even on the weekend while I was enjoying myself. I just want to give my money away. I wasn't good enough to actually make a living out of it. Uh, it came to playing poker, John. You know, I played at Notre Dame what, twice a week, once a week. I mean, whatever, whenever those guys played, I knew how to play poker when I was five, for God's sake. I mean, my, also all my parents did. I was actually, I'm sure my skills are long gone. Uh, and I wasn't a half bad bridge player, but I haven't played that in 20 years. But I mean, I, I love it. But I also know you're you're, you're grabbing when I when I used to go to Vegas, you stop and get gas, and you'd see people. Most of them are Hispanic people that are, that are day laborers sitting there playing the nickel and dime slot machines. Anybody who thinks that this stuff doesn't come out of the, the people who can least, you go to the uh, Peppies out on the south side, um, and you'll see two of the ladies that are stewardesses, stewardesses, waitresses all day long, make their 120 bucks, go over and lose 50 bucks a night on the way out the door. At the, anybody thinks it doesn't, that this doesn't affect the people that could least affect we're not talking John Flanagan flying to Vegas with a thousand dollars in his pocket and he's going to have a nice time and if it's gone, it's gone we're not, we're not talking about somebody who could I mean, I'm not going to say you can afford to lose 10 or 15 but you and I could take a G <laughs> if, we get a, a, if we get obliterated we're not going to be happy but you know we're not going to you know, but we're, we're, we're not taking money that we should be putting in the bank that night but nobody cares it, it, it's a revenue source and people think in government, somewhere you get to the point where all their money is really my money. It's just a question of how do I get it. And how, how that attitude hangs in there, I don't know. I mean, but, but somehow it gets there. Am I wrong? No, it's, it's appropriate. We're talking about this, you know, in advance of the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> because, I, I mean, one thing, Tom, the, the, there's always been the allure of gambling. And I guess unless you... Are, are really naive, and you think playing like the state lotto is on the up and up? Um, that there, there isn't some kind of fraud going on in a lot of gambling, or tipping of the scales, or you know, juicing the odds, or you know, whatever. That you know, you're not going to ever, you know, become wealthy by it. You're not, if you make a habit of it, you can bankrupt yourself and, and your entire family and everything else. Um, but this that doesn't prevent people from still going back, you know, night after night to the casinos. And, and forgetting all of that in, in the excitement of the moment. And I, I wonder if, if sports has now sort of reached a tipping point where you've got declining attendance in you know, baseball. And, you know, it, it isn't that the game itself that is exciting. It's too expensive for most people to get any kind of thrill out of. But the gambling part of it may be the salvation of these things. And people will know full well that the thing is probably fixed, you know, that the ref has been paid off or somebody's been paid off or there's something not quite right here. But it isn't so disturbing to people that it's going to stop them from gambling. I, I guess they, they must factor those risks in 
when they place a bet that they know there's something rigged here, but this may be the time that I can finally penetrate that veil. Well, you remember, Otherwise, you remember my mom, she said, Tom, you're way too smart. Do not bet on the Bears or Notre Dame because you can't do it intelligently. Your heart's there. Not so much for the Bears, Notre Dame probably. That's, yeah, that's... <laughs> I mean, don't don't you know if you want to bet twenty bucks out of five, but don't don't go goofy because you're. You, but by you, the same you, token, yeah. betting with your head isn't a sure win either. Well, I mean, if you if you look around, I mean, I mean, if you just look at payback, and I'm not talking about every saloon in the world, the best payback going is a square pool. They just give they give everybody all the money back. Maybe the, maybe the bar takes, you know, fifty bucks for something for handling the pool, but it's not. It, it's 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 way better than anything else, isn't it? Oh yeah, well it's fun. Yeah. You know? Especially if I always lose. It's not, it's not fun to the average gambler, Tom. It's life or death. Yeah. But, and the more you get to the end game, it's, it's just death. Well, how come I can't get any of the bars to give me a discount since I haven't won in 40 years? I should I should get a discount just for contributing <laughs> to everybody else. You should have been running a tab, Tom. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, the, la- the last time I won, get a load of this. Roger Staubach was still playing. The 34-31 game. I remember robbing the lady who got uh, killed a while ago in a traffic accident. We went to a place on the south side, and it was, uh, it was big money in those days. It was, uh, it was a $1,500 uh, whatever, so whatever that comes down to a square. I mean, they paid all the rest of the stuff. So we both get a square. I forget how much it was. And she goes, why don't we split? And I go, eh, you know, you got your square, I got mine. No, no, I, don't want to I go, okay, we'll split. So, of course, whose square wins? Mine, right? And uh, so she grabs her 750 sticks it in her purse, and I buy the whole the whole bar around and something other. I walk out with about three hundred bucks, and she had the seven fifties. How did I do on that one? <laughs> That's the only time I ever won. I ended up with about I went home with maybe a, a quarter of what I uh, maybe a fifth of what I won. So there, I I think I was good for the bar, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I had a good time. You know, I, I, I'm, what am I what am I gonna do? Stuff it in my pocket and not buy everybody around or two? I mean, come on, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, Maybe you know, but no good deed. I have one cent, so that, you know, maybe somebody taught me a lesson. Should have kept my money the first time. Anyway, what uh, this politics? I'm I'm very concerned. Of, as I said to Dan, we're not going to hear any any issue between now and November. It's going to be sniping on both sides, and but and both guys are real easy to snipe at, right? <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's, you know the the air that could be used to. F- Fuel a discussion about it. No, no, neither political party has any interest no. in the issues anymore. I don't think. I mean, uh, and, and, and if Hillary Clinton, just as an example, really didn't want Donald Trump to be president, the first thing she should do is take a long vacation, cancel her Twitter feed, and shut up. Because every time she opens up her mouth, she gives a lot of people a lot of reasons to do exactly what she's telling them not to do. Well, so but go figure. I don't you know? even know if she Twitter she's not anymore. Do that, nor, nor would any of these other clowns. No, well, it's. You have a, you have a, a group of people that, if you were to say Trump murdered five people last night, they would say that just goes to show you Putin's afraid of him. You know, I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter at this point. Or, or yeah. more accurately, Tom, what a liar you must be for saying that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what, yeah. Whatever. So I mean, he could. He could it, it just right. it, it's it's beyond the point of even wanting to argue about it because no matter what, I mean, yesterday, you know, Kevin and I we had a dash here, but Kevin and I were, were arguing more than we should have on the air about the Trump thing and. And you know, some other contributor to the show is is piling in talking about how feeble Biden is. Now, what has to do with anything? Yet, I I read again. You know, I'm no Biden fan. I read that every day. I mean, I've I've heard that, you know people from the core stuff 
So every day, if he can, if he's here, Biden religiously attends the every morning, whatever they have their national security meeting and the stuff that lands on his desk, and he spends the first three four hours going through all that stuff. Trump never did any of that, and yet and, and yet the, the word is that this guy's feeble; he can't do anything. I, I don't think he should be president a second time. You know that, but people get this idea. He's feeble. The guy can't even go to the can by himself. And yet he's putting in three, four hours a day. What did Trump do? Sit on a can and tweet all morning? Did he ever go to well, one? He just he just made daily press conferences during the COVID yeah. disaster. But I mean, which the, is more you can't get Biden to give a, a press conference of any kind. Well, I mean, or, nor would you want to watch it. I'm going to say so. that if you elect, if I elect you president, you're going to attend the morning security briefing. I think I would. Tom, they should put all that stuff on Biden's calendar and let people know that's what he's doing because the calendar doesn't say he's doing any of that. Well, I think, you, I think as soon as you walk out of your bedroom, it's like right there, if you've ever, you know, anyway, whatever. I don't, I've never even been in a White House, so I shouldn't be saying what goes on in there. Um, by the way, are the, are the, are the, are like you, are the living areas in the White House, are they nice, or are they just, are they old? Oh, they're, you know, it's up on the top floor, and it's, you know, it used to be that there were no photographs that you could see of it, you know, after it was remodeled under Truman, um, and everything was kind of updated all the way through the thing, but you know, that was considered off limits, and you didn't want anybody seeing those private quarters just from a security standpoint. And I suspect, you know, how much time does any president and his family spend, or her family spend in that area anymore? They're probably in bunkers when you know, the situations are delicate or whatever. They're probably nowhere near the, the White House. But it's, a, you know, it's the whole footprint of the building up on the top. It's kind of hidden from, you know, the, the visitors who go there, only the public spaces are open. So you got to become president for me to see the bedroom and the bathroom and stuff? Yeah, even the Lincoln bedroom. I mean, the Lincoln bedroom wasn't in the private quarters of the president. That's in the public space. And all the, the red room, the green room, the east room, the state dining room, you know, the diplomatic reception room, all these rooms were, you know, are the first two floors. And there were and tours. Sometimes they're being roped, they're roped off for various renovations and stuff. But the, the stuff up on top is, has never been part of any kind of tour. Really? Of any kind. No. All right, well. And even what Jackie Kennedy did her famous televised tour in 62. No. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, well, John, take care of yourself. Good stuff as usual. SP yep. Futures. We're coming back, as we always do. We're up down four, only four and a quarter now. As the future's down 18, back tomorrow Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. HomeSource Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.